Follow us on your favorite podcast app to get notifications every time we upload a new episode. He's one third of Disciples and recently launched his solo career on Amada. He is the founder of Outcry, and let's find out what's on his mind. <laughs> Welcome to the club. What's your name, please? Hi, my name is Duval. And what are you best known for? I'm best known for being silly. No, I'm best, <laughs> best known for being in a band called Disciples. I'm also a producer. I've worked with the likes of Little Mix, David Guetta, Calvin Harris, um, and hopefully soon I'll be known for much, much more. What was the last club you went to and who did you go with? The last club I went to was Ministry of Sound uh, in Elephant and Castle in London and I went there with my crew, Disciples, and about 20 of us because it was our first set back in two years. Thank you, sir. You've passed the guest list. Welcome to the Armada Behind the Beats podcast. Please go through the door. Reggie and Harry will meet you there. So, as you just heard, we have a name dropper joining us in the club today. Welcome to the club, Nathan Vincent Duval. Are we allowed to call you Nathan? Who calls you Nathan? And also, can we middle name you? Oh, you no. can. Yeah. Okay. My, my my dad would love that because his his first name is Vincent, so he gave me a middle name, Vincent. So Nathan Vincent Duval. That's, that, that sounds quite okay. important, man. I like that. Big up uh, Nathan's dad, Vincent. <laughs> Gives you status. Um, who does yeah, anybody yeah. call you Nathan, or does everybody now just call you Duval? Uh, people call me Nate. People call me Nath if they've known me a long time. Um, people I work with call me Nath, but in front of people. I don't know. People call me Deval, and new people call me Deval. Okay. But you can call me Nafe because you guys are friends. I think I want to call you Nate Dog. <laughs> we can go there. That's fine. That's fine. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us in our virtual club. We always start off with a drink of choice. So we thought we would ask each other if you were a cocktail, what cocktail would you be? And describe yourself as a cocktail. Mm. I'm going to give you some time to think it over. I'm going to mm-hmm. pick, I want to be a picante because of the variety of all the stuff that's in a drink. I'm indecisive, um, and so I can never really choose what I want. And it has all the things in it that I like. It's spicy, it's got chilli in it, it's, it's sweet. I like to think I'm sweet, agave. It's got coriander, so that's like my Indian roots going in there. And it's fresh with lime. And it's got tequila in it, which, you know, tequila is like one of the fun, most fun drinks to have. So I kind of think I'm fun. I've probably just bigged myself up a lot there. <laughs> so, uh, Harry, I'm going to hand over to you. What's your cocktail? Oh, um, I think I, I'd like to think that I'm an old fashioned. So whiskey, orange, you know, whiskey, like, whiskey is intense, but it's strong. I think it's quite a wise man's drink, um, oh. you know, with, with a twist of orange. It's kind of, I think I, I'd like to think that's me, but I'm probably just like a, a trashy sex on the beach or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But no, we'll stick. We'll stick to. We'll stick to the old fashioned. I like that. All right. Go um, on, I'm gonna go with 
a Moscow Mule. Mm, very I'm nice. a Moscow Mule kind of guy because it it sounds old, <laughs> but it's not. It's a it's a very mature taste. It's got the ginger beer in it because I'm, yeah, you know, from Jamaica. I got to give up to my roots there. Um, it's better with a cube of brown sugar. People don't really know that. That's, Demerara. That's the yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. And then and it's stirred in, right? So it's like it's, it's, it's kind of dissolved right. in the... In dissolved, the stirred in, but the real professionals also give you an additional cube on top of the ice. Hey. That's what I like. Nice little surprise there. And, you know, a bit of brown sugar, that's me. Tick, <laughs> uh, <laughs> tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Awesome. And I also spent three years in Russia. I'm not going to tell you why right now, but... um. Okay. It's it's quite a story. Well, every Christmas for three years in Russia, it's a story and a half. Uh, we'll leave that till later. Yeah, note it down, Harry. Let's ask him about Moscow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> made a, made a mental note. <laughs> well, nice. I don't know what vo- I don't know what alcohol's in it. Actually, I'm really bad with this. It just tastes good. This is the, so. I was thinking about this earlier because we were talking about cocktails and I never actually even get to go for cocktails. And I don't know if that, if you guys have the same, but I, it made me think like, I really need to make the effort to go to co- go for cocktails again, because whenever we go out, it's always like, oh, we'll just order a bottle of wine or whatever. Um, mm. And never really have that like cocktail moment. And yeah, I was also struggling to think like what cocktails are really, what do I really like and what's in them? It's the sugar. That's why I can't do it too much. That's the problem. You go for these 15 pound cocktails all around London. You think, yeah, it's going to be a cocktail night. And then you just have, you just have one or two because one, the sugar's just crazy. It gives you the worst hangover. And two, it's 15 pound a cocktail. Yeah, it's true, man. You have to just find the happy hour spots and then go there for that time. That's not me being tight. That's what you kind of have to do. Hey, so Nathan, I I thought we'd kind of kick off with something a little bit fun, um, just to kind of like break the ice and, and, you know, get into a bit of a a, a rhythm and an energy. Um, So I was Googling dilemmas and I thought I I picked out a couple and and I want to ask you about them. So basically you have two choices and you, you must pick a choice. So the first one, every time it rains, you have to cry. Or every time you see a dog, you have to follow it on your knees for at least five minutes. <laughs> That's mad. <laughs> which, which one would you would you rather though? Uh, it has to be every time it rains, it cries. Because I'm a Cancerian. We wear our hearts on our sleeves. We're emotional. And also you can hide your tears in the rain. You can't see me crying. Exactly. I, That's I, cry, I cry silently too. So you won't even know I'm crying. You just see, oh. just see my face wet. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a quiver of the bottom lip and then that's yeah, yeah, yeah. it. There okay. you go. There you go. All right. Good one. Next one is every partner you will ever have in your life will play the flute obsessively for most part of the day. Or every time you're on the tube, you have to sit on someone's lap. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm taking, oh, <laughs> uh, that's dope. I like that one. I'm definitely, definitely the, the sit on someone's lap. Can I choose who, whose lap I can sit on? Well, when you walk on the tube, you can choose, yeah. Oh, that's cool then. And I won't, there'll be no repercussions, no. Well, the, probably. Oh, okay. This is like in a real life situation. So whenever you situation. get the tube, like you, you would need to, you can't sit on a seat on your own. You need to sit on someone's lap. Pick All right, the most well, friendly and willing person, I think. Spot absolutely. Them. And you know what? It's just... You know, I take the tube once a week at the moment, so I can I can deal with that shame. But it is about a forty five minute tube ride, so 
that's a long time to oh, be sitting is, on yeah. some strangers that. Maybe I'll tell them the Moscow story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, third one. All your clothes are two sizes small or everything you say, you have to say it twice. I feel like I do that anyway. I feel like I do that anyway. Do you get what I did there? <laughs> I feel like this is really setting a tone for the podcast. Amazing. Really good. Yeah, there's my answer. Okay, brilliant. Well, that, that was my sort of introductory game. I hope you liked it. I did like it. It needs development. Yeah, it needs, like I said, I Googled it. Like, these are not original things, but I just thought it might be fun. I do feel it like we've fun. learned a lot about you, though. Have you? Yeah. I hope you have. I just know that when I see you on a tube that I'm going to change carriages, but it's all good. Well, if you see me on a tube, I'm sitting on your lap because you're the only person I know, so. (laughs) I'm running. I'll run after you. Oh, God. Such a creep. Right, shall we ask some serious questions, Harry? Let's, let's. Go. No, boo. Boo. (laughs) Go on, Harry. I'm going to hand this to you. Let's do this. Well, look, we, you know, we asked you on this podcast because you're amazing, but we also just wanted to know, I guess, your story, first of all, like what, maybe you could tell us in your own words, like, you know, how did you get to where you are now? Um, how did it start in a nutshell? How did it start in a nutshell? Tough. I always go back to the first experience I have that I remember from music. Uh, my, my dad actually ran and actually helped build a radio station called Choice FM, which is now Capital Extra. And he was the first uh, trained programmer to be on the station. Shout out Vince Herbert is his name. Uh, He also went on to work for BBC as well. Um, And what happened was, so the station was so new that we'd have to get people to call in, we would let them request a song. And then if they didn't, if we didn't have the song, they were cut to commercial. I would have to run round to Red Records, which is round the corner, about like a hundred hundred meter sprint, try and find the record, dig around for the record, and run back with it just in no time way. for the commercials to end. Yeah, it was fantastic. So that was my actual first. That was about nine doing that, and that was my first introduction to music or radio or how any of it worked. Um, Didn't your mum work in like music promo though as well? Yeah, and then my mum as well. Surrounding that was in music promo. She did a lot of music promo for a band called Bewitched. Do you remember Bewitched? Yeah. Oh my God, I used to love Bewitched. Say you will, say you won't, say you do what I don't. Amazing. They're definitely going to edit that part and use that as some sort of promotional (laughs) clip for this podcast. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So so mum and dad both in music of some sort. And then also I've got aunties who are quite high up in the music business. Um, Shout out Jackie Davidson. And wow. Janet Davidson, um, who look after, I mean, one of them looks after Wayne Hector, who's written every pop record you can think of under the sun. Um, so, yeah, I was always surrounded by it, but was never into doing it myself. I just loved it. I just loved listening to what was going on in my in my household. Our, our family parties would go on till 2 a.m. I'd have to fall asleep wherever I could, could find a little sofa. Like, just because I'm falling asleep doesn't mean my, my family goes home. We... We, we keep we keep it going we keep the party going uh. so yeah I've just been gro- just growing up all around music but I wasn't till I hit college that actually fell into music production and I met Gavin who's also part of Disciples and he taught me a lot about house music and 
understanding you know productions and beats and kick drums and snares and like the the real intricacies of of music production um and yeah you know that's pretty much how i fell into doing music that's a pretty strong like pedigree to come from like family connections and then going because you went to like music college right that's where um yeah met the guys um and like was music college was it that kind of um, school where it was like you learned to sing, dance, write, shoot video? You know, was it just like music production focused? No, it was just it was just music production focused for one class, right. and then the rest of it was a normal. I mean, the maddest thing about Big Up Rygate College because without them, I wouldn't be here today. And my teacher, my teacher Lloyd who, you know, rode a bike and wore hot pants at the same time was, was a, was a mad, yeah, yeah, mad situation. And he's just an eccentric character. And sometimes he used to like say, all right, forget the lessons. We're going to go down to the pub. So big up to Lloyd for <laughs> teaching me, <laughs> teaching me those things there. But um, it was crazy because Gav and I, Gav is a, a, a year younger than me, but we were the only two boys of colour on the course Wow. So we were actually into like hip hop, R&B, little bit of house and everyone else was into just different stuff. So me and him connected in a, in a different way. And then um, we would just sit on our lunchtime breaks and just like try and remake beats like 50 Cent in the club and Donnell Jones, you know what's up. Like we thought we were bad. Like we literally would just sit there and just try and find the same snare drum, the same kick and try and work out how the frequencies worked. And we were kind of our own teacher in a way, but um, yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I love that because you, I mean, I was reading in your bio then like soon after that, like you became a songwriter and was doing like songwriting camps and like, you know, you just described yourself as kind of like a, a hip hop R and B, like all those amazing genres and subgenres that were coming out like in the nineties and had like a, a nostalgic essence about them. But mm. you actually got to write for Snoop Dogg as well. Did you ever get to meet him? Nah, he just said he just flew his verse over. Like he was just like, you know, you know, heard the record, liked it, did a quick sixteen, and then sent the verse over. So I got, I've still got his. I've still got his vocals in my computer, I think. Sometimes I listen to them now and again and just think, wow, I did that. That's kind of that, cool. You must have been gassed. That's I mean, really it's Snoop cool. Dogg. Yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. And I had a few other records that didn't quite didn't quite hit the mark. They didn't come out, but I've still got vocals from him from that as well. So maybe I'll do a little remix package, yeah, a think, Snoop Dogg remix you, package. <laughs> or maybe to. there's an opportunity to do another one or something new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. Because he hasn't really done like a lot of, you know, up-tempo stuff like that. So I'd like to see what he'd sound like. I think his voice is incredible. His voice so, is incredible. Um, and also he has, like, he's experimented a lot with different genres. Mm. But I think there needs to be, like, a proper, like, dance banger yeah. for him to, like, be on. But the other interesting thing is, is, like, you know, you mentioned that you're, like, a big, huge fan of, like, hip-hop, 90s R&B. But what then made you move into, like, making dance music? You already said, like, Gav introduced you to a lot of kind of, like, house and whatever. But being inspired and influenced by those genres and then to move into like dance like what was that about how did you get into that or want to have that as a focus I think yeah so growing up listening to you know Motown especially in the household a lot of the funk records though like Earth Wind and Fire and early Michael Jackson and Jackson 5 James Brown like early early stuff um my thing, my bag is um, bass lines. So anytime you hear a Disciples bass line, that's, that's most likely I've done it. Um, and that comes from the funk, growing up listening to funk. And then also the high voice. Bah, 
that's you know that's my tone as well. So I sang. I'm immediately on, thinking of the bassline of on my mind now. Yeah, <laughs> just like so, like you know, recognizable. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And then you know, and then the high high tone voice. So it's like I I put what I've known from growing up listening to old school hip hop and R and B into the house that we make now, or into the house that I make now. Um, and Gav basically was the guy who brought house into my life. So I just put them all together, really. That's the way it happened. And when when did you meet Luke then? Was that later or, that or was, around yeah. the same time? Luke was, a, Luke was, I like to call him the glue because Gav and I are very, very opposites in, in a way. And then Luke is the glue that, you know, kind of held us all together at times when it could have fallen apart. Um, I met him, quick story. I was doing... Um, I did uh, some work for Croydon Council, big up Croydon Council, where I had to put on, <laughs> I had to put on. Um, I'm sure they'll be listening. I love, all, I love all the shouts. I love all the shout outs today. <laughs> I, to, I put on like a six week program for children who weren't in education or employment and anyone who liked to do music. So for people from Crystal Palace, Croydon, Norwood, like all around South, Peckham even, they all came round. No, but that's that's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah well give him back. Big up to you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And Luke was one of the so sixteen students. Luke was one of the students on my course, and so the course was going to end with a massive performance with all of these kids at Fairfield Halls. And Fairfield Halls, if you don't know, is like the Croydon's version of O2 Arena. <laughs> it's like it's not as big, of course, but <laughs> if you get to perform there, if you're from Croydon, then it's like yeah, you've made it in Croydon, nowhere else, just <laughs> yeah. in Croydon. Um, and then, so yeah, he, you know, he was amazing, superstar. And then, you know, got to the show, his performance came on and he shut the place down. When I mean shut the place down, they had to end it there. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, yeah, for real. Like they had like all of his, you know, groupies and friends were coming around and, you know, they weren't, they weren't being horrible but they were just being a bit mischievous and you know the crew didn't know how to take it in terms of like the security and stuff so it all got shut down this is all on bbc news if you dig the archives on bbc news they even interviewed me about this i'm not oh, proud to, to say it that. i'm not proud i'm not proud but um yeah it was our, our listeners are gonna be googling yeah. Right <laughs> yeah but from that so the the course was called music know-how so from that from him shutting it down, I thought, well, if he can shut that down, hopefully he can shut down bigger shows. So let me take him under my wing. So like a couple of, you know, years later, we've been working on each other's stuff. So Gav, I introduced him to Gav. Gav, Luke and I worked on each other's stuff. We were working on three projects at once. I was a solo act. So is Luke. So is Gav. We're like, this is crazy. This is like three times the work. Why don't we just make it one? This is ridiculous. So we made it one. I called it Disciples, a name that they hate, but also they know they love it too. How did, um, how did you come up with that name? All right, this is another, this is another story. <laughs> so um, we work out time. <laughs> we work out of my studio in Shoreditch. Um, but every time I went to go and get lunch, I would lock my door and they'd have to follow me. So one time I took a picture. <laughs> wherever I went, they'd have to follow me. So once I took a picture of them following me and I posted it and it uh, called them my disciples and they just hated it. They took it down. They hated it ever since. But then the Genius. name, the name just stuck. And so we went for years telling people, telling the press that, oh, we made our name because we're followers of music and this, that and the other. And then we just thought, you know what? One, let's just tell the truth. Right. Deval said we were his followers. We didn't like it. But then the name stuck. 
and then that's why we're here today. So, do you know what? I think I'm already going to know the answer to this question. Mm. But there's three of you, and you know, it's making me think of like the latter days of like Destiny's Child. <laughs> who is the Michelle? Who is the <laughs> Kelly Rowland? Who is the Beyonce? And oh, great you better question. answer this honestly because I think I know what the answer to this is. All right, all right, all right. Honestly, I'm Matthew Knowles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I guess. All right. From my personality alone, I'm not going to start saying talent or because we're all talented, I think. Personality alone, they would say um, I'm Beyonce. Just just oh, like... surprise. <laughs> Stop it, you. I reckon Gav will be... Gav will be Michelle because he's hardly ever there. <laughs> oh, deep. <laughs> Inside joke, he'll get that. He'll Shots get that. fired. He'll yeah. get that. And then, um, yeah, Luke's, Luke's the Kelly Rowling. Luke's the ride or die. Kelly's been there from day dot. Yeah. And just like anything Beyonce wants to do, anything Michelle wants to do, she's like, yeah, let's do it. So that will definitely be Luke. You've experimented with different genres, like when you yeah. were like coming up and uh, moving into dance. But like, what do you think kind of eases the transition between those genres and like cultures and inspires you to kind of like make electronic dance music and this Deval project? Well, oh, it's a good question. Um, for me, what I've noticed over the years is everything is all feel with me. Everything. I'm not scientific mm. at all. Um, I have to be in the studio with people who let go of their inhibitions and just want to create. And then what I've noticed I do is I just pull and I draw from those creative energies in the room. It's kind of like, you know, any setting, I like to have people there. Like, for example, when we did the, the, the Armada... Um, thing last week or earlier early, the live stream this week you know for me to dj with no one there like i can't really mess with that but you guys were there and you gave me such energy to a point where i feel like i did a really good job it's the same with making music so the reason why i jump from so many different genres or put all genres into into one effectively is because i draw from energies of each one um, draw from energies of each person in the room and they might be giving me like an indie vibe or one might be giving me a hip hop vibe and I believe they can all find a way to coexist so I'm kind of like I don't feel like I have a genre um, but I definitely am an energy person and sometimes that serves me well sometimes it doesn't because you the problem is like you, you don't all you can't always base your work just off energy alone unfortunately um, but I can't help it I wear my heart on my sleeve if I'm feeling your vibe we're going to make some good music together. End of. Oh my yeah, God, we're such Cancerians. I'm so <laughs> yeah. the same. I know, it's so crazy. The same. It's crazy. I was going to say, so sometimes are you in sessions where you're not really feeling that energy? I guess that's also a possibility, right? That you go into a session, it just isn't happening. Or do you, are you handpicking, you know, people that you know can give you that energy and then you like to work with those kind of writers and producers yeah you definitely end up finding the people you want to work with but you have to actually go through you know i've done i reckon i've done over you know 600 sessions in my lifetime for sure and i've found the 10 people i want to work with but it doesn't mean i won't work with new people and sometimes yeah you know a producer's role i guess is to um try and make people who you know are good feel comfortable to let themselves go in your room so sometimes the energy is not there, not because they don't have energy, but because they just feel vulnerable and they don't, they don't want to show the whole of themselves. Sometimes I spend hours just talking to an artist or another producer just so they feel comfortable to share their story with me. 
Um, and we find, and I find especially, that that gets the most out of any session. It's exactly how we made How Deep Is Your Love. We were working with Ina, who was a closed book. She wrote um, How Deep Is Your Love with us. And for three hours, we just spoke about music, just spoke about it. Didn't, didn't touch anything on the keys. Just spoke, spoke, spoke. Brought up loads of old school house music. She was digging a vibe, cracked open a bottle of red wine. She was feeling the vibe and then all of a sudden I started playing chords and she started singing straight away. And that song was written in half an hour. But yeah, but we spent three hours talking first. So, you know, that's that's how it goes. Let me be your air. Let me roam your body freely. No inhibition, no fear. How deep is your love? So does your creative process change uh, each time depending on who's with you or do you have like a within six hours we're going to do this or like within two days we're going to achieve this? Yeah, and- it definitely, well, what, the one thing I say is that I'll try and sit at the hub and just try and draw energies out of the room. I don't even have to be on buttons. It's just the kind of thing that I do where I'm like, I'll hear, say if us three were in a session right now, I'd hear Harry say something and then I'll hear you say something and then I'll try and like draw out what you're trying to say even more so. Yeah, go yeah, yeah, let's do it. Go on then. Oh my no, God, we could, no, make, we could make a full-on Disciples Duval single here, Harry. <laughs> this is our moment of fame. We'll, we'll just, we'll tell people we edited it out there. We've got a hit ready to go. It's awesome. Yeah. We're all feeling it. Yeah, feeling yeah, that one. Okay. Well done, Harry. Feeling it. We jammed. Thanks. Sorry, back to your point. Oh yeah, the creative per- process is always different, but my in it, my what I bring to the table is always the same. So I'm always trying to draw from everyone's energy in the room. How we start that can be different every time. So someone might say something to spark the title of the record. Someone might play a chord. Someone might play a bass line. I might play a bass line. I might go into the, onto the mic and just start freestyling. That part always changes, but what I do in the studio is always the same. But then, so what about? So then, how does that work when? we all haven't been able to see each other, you know, like COVID here, everybody's been in isolation for somebody who needs to be, feels they can get the best out of themselves being in a room. How is that working in terms of like getting stems or like being isolated in your home and trying to create music? It's not. Yeah. (laughs) It's It's hard. It's not working. It's like, I haven't had, I haven't, so the Zoom session thing is not me, so I won't do that. Yeah. I won't jump on and, especially with new people, I won't jump. I need to feel your energy. You can't, this screen blocks energy. So mm. I'm not going to do that. But what I can do and what I've discovered is <clears throat> there's a lot of beauty in old songs that you've written and just let go. And the reason why you've let them go is because you're busy, you're on tour, you're doing something else, your, your attention's been caught by something else. So I've had to go back into the vaults and just see you know, what's really good, what's there. Um, and there's some gems that we've just, oh, I've just let go and I would never have gone back to them had I not had this time. So they would have just been sitting there doing nothing, collecting dust. And a couple of these records that I've got coming out are, you know, they started off three or four years ago and I'm finishing them mm. off now. Mm. It's kind of like dating a little bit. Like, is that same as like kind of making music? Like you have to put yourself in a vulnerable space and yeah. be with the person. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how people do Zoom dates. Did those even exist? I don't know. It's a mad world we're living in right now. Because I reckon like yeah, anyone under the age of 21 is fine with a Zoom date. It's just not me. Yeah. 
But it's interesting because during this whole pandemic, I hear the same story, you know, time and time again, like a lot of artists are going back to things that they started that never had the chance to finish or they've taken the time to really like just focus on their their sound and what they're doing rather than, yeah, uh, creating music for other people for a dance floor or whatever. So Mm. I think it's quite interesting in a way. Yeah. And let's so let's talk about your hits then. Like, on my mind, how deep is your love? Did you know when you were making them? Like, this is a hit. Like, this is going far. And obviously, like, you know, Calvin Harris picked up on that as well, and it just exploded after that. Though, do you know that that was a hit? Those two, those two records you just mentioned, yeah, I, I did feel it. That it, it was God. a feeling, definitely. Like, it was a hundred percent. And not just that. Like, everyone involved felt the same. Sometimes yeah. it's like, say there's like five of you and four of you think, wow, this is it. And then one of you doesn't. That one, it doesn't mean he's wrong. It doesn't mean he's right. But there's something about that one not agreeing that might not get that record over the line. This, when we did How Deep Is Your Love, everyone was just like, I mean, there was a fight to even keep Ina on it. Like our label was trying to put Becky Hill on it. How Deep Is Your Love was born... So it came out in 2015. It was born in 2013. Because we know we made it and then we were battling with our label for two years trying to get it out because they wanted to put someone else on it. No shade to Becky Hill. She's actually a friend of mine. Um, But yeah, we just thought, and that was an energy thing. Again, it's like, I don't care if Diana Ross wants to be on this. You're not taking off Ina because it sounds, listen to it. Like, listen, are you not hearing Mm. what I'm hearing? So we spent two years and then Calvin comes around two years later and goes, yo guys, this is amazing. Let me work on it with you. He helped finish it off, polished it off. It sounded incredible. There's no way our label are going to argue with Calvin. And Calvin was like, yeah, let's keep, <laughs> let's keep. But that's, a, that, that's, that's awesome. Cause you, you know, you stuck to your feeling. Mm. And you said you thought at the time that you created a hit mm. and like you, you know, you didn't want to change or deviate from that plan. Mm. You, you, you felt it. And so then it happened. So yeah. that's a quality story, but I'm curious, like, have you ever written stuff and got that feeling and it's still not been released or it's n- not even on the cards to be released? Yeah, definitely. And that's when I know it's, can I have those? Please? <laughs> <laughs> There's a few records that haven't been released yet. There's a few that we I have released and I'm just like, wow, that didn't get the reception I wanted it to get. And that for the first time yeah. was me battling with the idea of it's not just about having great music or music that you think is great. Here is a That's there's it. a timing thing. There's a you know, there's a other world ready to hear this right now kind of thing. There's so many other areas. So we were kind of blessed early on by having On My Mind do well, by having How Deep Is Your Love do well and not really dive in too much to why it did well, you know? Mm. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why it did well, but the number one reason was the timing was right. With other records yeah. we put out, um, you could look back on them and be like, that, that is a big song, but the timing's off. You could tell your fan base weren't ready for that. You could tell the radio weren't ready to playlist that because they playlist your other record, which sounded different. There's so many different yeah. things when you- There's so There's many so different many variables. variables. Yeah. Oh, yeah. snap. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We're on, we're on a wavelength. <laughs> no, but there are. And so it's, it's hard to look back to say why something did or didn't work. Mm. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Like timing is, is a big thing for sure. Mm. I think also um, the fact that you come, the three of you come from a place of authenticity and that being something that's important mm. 
is always going to travel and connect with people anyway. Mm, yeah, definitely. And to be fair, when all three of us in Disciples are in sync, it normally pans out well. I have to say that. It normally pans out well. Normally. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> normally. I'm sure it does. I mean, the success has been amazing. But was there ever a point that you were like, okay, fuck, like I've, I've made it. We've made it, you know? You went on tour with Calvin. Like, you've been doing this with Disciples, what, 10 years? More? No. I, was there ever like a moment where you were like, this is it, guys? Like, No, I'm, I'm actually upset, to be honest, that we didn't... I mean, we're still going, but, you know, my the way I see life is like, how far can you go, right? Mm. Like... Don't deny how deep is your how love. How deep is your love? Right. All these questions. Um, how far exactly can you really push this? And I believe that disciples could have been pushed a lot further than where we are currently at. And listen, what what we've done, I am forever grateful. Um, we've done Jimmy Fallon live in New York, which is one of the first British-based. So cool. That's such a moment. U, yeah, UK-based acts that are doing electronic music on his show. That was one of the first. So. Um, I got to meet, you know, Will Smith and, and, you know, he was, he was doing the same show as us. So there was so, there's so many milestones I didn't even realize I'd hit, but at the same time, I look at it probably just the way my brain works, but I look at what we've done and look at what we could have done, just given the talent in the group. And a part of me is like, yeah, boys, we did it. But a massive part of me is like, boys, we could have done more. But, but it's not the end, right? No, so, no. Yeah, there's still... There's still a lot to come, I think, from disciples, and yeah. I also feel like acts go through, you know, phases, and and we see it time and time again where acts come back, and then there's a whole momentum again, yeah. and it's it's totally possible to kind of you know achieve that. Yeah. No, yeah, no, you're right. But you're right. There is. I, I always think of it like it's just another episode in the book of life. Yeah. So like, revisit, re reinvent, evolution. Mm, mm, um, mm. You know, and also there's always new audiences. It's just how you, you know, talk to people, communicate with people and, and how you catch their feelings, you know? Yeah. Um, and putting that out there as a package. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. It's just sometimes it's difficult when you're not ready for that chapter to end. Mm. And then, you know, you're working your ass off trying to, you know, trying to, try, trying to make things happen still and you're not really getting the results you thought you would get from the music you put out. Sometimes... That can be demoralizing. But if you're constantly putting out great music, you'll never die. Your, your brand never dies. So you can take a minute, sit back and you'll be like, right, we did that. Let's take a couple of years, regroup and then see where we're at mentally and try and make some some fresh new stuff. And I think that's really where we're at, at the moment as a band. Like we love each other so much. We've got so much respect for each other. I mean, I hadn't seen them I did something for, for Jaguar two weeks ago with them and I hadn't seen them before that in about 18 months. It's like we never left. Like the jokes mm. like were coming out yeah. of us is crazy. I mean, we did some stupid thing at McDonald's where we pretended to be in a car and they got, and it were, so it's a McDonald's drive-thru and McDonald's drive-thru and they're only allowed to accept your order if you're in a vehicle, but we didn't have a vehicle. So we just like rolled up to the window <laughs> it's there you can you, yeah rolled rolled walked, yeah, walked up to the window <laughs> pretended to be in a car um we didn't get served nice. of course um but yeah i mean people were reposting it and just like people don't know that we hadn't been together for 18 months before that it looks like it's just three brothers being together for a very long time all the time so we have that but that's family though isn't it that's just that's just always like 
close friends and family you always pick up kind of like where you left off and and I suppose creatively as well you need to like go away and mm. be inspired by different things to bring something back yeah. to a collective yeah yeah absolutely and that, that's exactly where my my head's at um we spoke about this collectively as well because Luke's doing some amazing productions like I, they've heard all my own music before anyone has heard it like I, I trust their opinion and that's what I want to with the band that's what I want I want to keep that honesty and I want to keep that trust between us and I think you can only do that by being transparent about what you're doing as an individual so yeah so um Duval Beyonce knows uh, <laughs> you are starting you've launched your solo project I have. with Amada we're so happy to have you on the label thank you for having me Uh, hope that's going to be a, a, a long line of releases. Yeah. But um, what what for you was like? Do you know what? It's time for the solo project now, and just the amount of like things that you bring into it, like new vocalists. We've got Bishop. You know, working with different producers. Uh, Joe Nebulo is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, how is how are you? How do you see your solo career, and why have you decided to go that road? I think it's like a combination of things, like. You know, being in a band for so long, you're only, you know, you are 100% yourself, but it's a third of your decision. It's a third, like there's three of us. So you all have a say in what goes on with, I wanted to try stuff that I have to die on my own sword. So like, you know, if it works, it's because of me. If it doesn't work, it's because of me. You know what I mean? I don't want to blame anyone else. I want to, there's so many artists I've found, new artists um, that I want to bring through, like obviously Bishop and, and Jay Nebula as a producer as well. And I've always had my eye on new talent and wanting to be around new talent because it touches back on what I was saying earlier about energy. There is a, I mean, with established acts, there is an energy, of course, but with new acts, there is a naivete. And that energy is the purest energy because you are untouched by any bullshit in the industry. Like you don't even know the bad stuff yet. So everything that comes out of your mouth creatively is... Pure, pure right so that is the pure so i'm always in search of energy right so that's the purest energy you can find so surrounding myself with you know younger up and coming amazing talents where i can show them a thing or two and then they can show me a thing or two it was only right that i do this now because disciples has done its thing we're going to continue to do this thing we're like a train that keeps running but i have time now to develop acts have time now to develop what i want to say as a solo act too and yeah, just bring everyone through. Yeah. So what? So what would you um, sort of say to the listeners that are thinking? What's the difference between Deval and Disciples? Like, how would you, how would you describe it? Like music in a music sense, genre wise. I think it's definitely what I've got is um, was it's definitely more it's genreless. I guess you know we're starting off doing you know, quite a, you know a house record, but it's not going to end up there. Like I've got. I mean, one of my biggest idols is Diplo and the way he just transfers himself and there's always himself, but he transfers himself into a new environment, you know, whatever the genre, um, I admire that. And growing up listening to music, as I said before, like I'm a product of many different styles of music. So 
my you know yeah. my my um my solo career if I can call it that that sounds crazy even saying that I can't believe it. I've been in the band for so long <laughs> now I'm talking about solo careers it's crazy <laughs> better believe yeah. it yeah so mine I definitely want to emulate that because that is being unapologetically yourself like yeah I'm doing this yeah. house record and I might jump and do this kind of soca record because I like this soca artist and then uh, you know, I want to go over to, to France and see what they got going on there. Like music is uh, the language of the world. So let's travel the world and make music. That's mm. how I say it. Oh, that's poetic. <laughs> that is. I mean, also, there's like a whole generation who probably don't or, or, or may not have much of an idea that uh, the genres under the umbrella of like dance music are deep rooted in black music. Culture, Absolutely. You know. And you mentioned before, like when you were at college, um, you know, you and Gavin were the two, are the only two, like you know, black kids that were at that college learning. Yeah. And you know, is is that fact and that that history of like a dance music being deep rooted in black music culture? Is that something that's like important for you to reflect in your own sound and your storytelling? Uh, you know, the inspirations that you have behind like making music, to sing, to write, to produce, like. I mean, I guess it's in your blood anyway, mm, mm. you know, but does that inspire what you do? Absolutely. But the, what's crazy, I didn't know it did. That's what's mad. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know it, it was so deep rooted in what I'm doing now and what I have been doing. You mm. know, bass lines, drums, energy, feel, you know, forget the structure. What does this feel like? You know, it all does come from from what we started, what we created centuries ago which is effectively mm. turned into house music now and that heartbeat rhythm is something that stays within me so for example my biggest record outside of disciples was a, a record with it's a pop record called move for little mix hey baby tell me your name i got a fever for you i just can't and the basis of that record is what we just spoke about it's bass lines and beats They'd never done a bass lines and beats record where they have to like make noises with their vo voices and and just ride the bass line and, and hear the kick drums. They never really d dove into that world before until I came along. And you know, you ask them and they're just so grateful for that record, but I'm grateful for them for allowing me to do me on that record because because of them, the rest of the world got to hear that because they were so big at the time. They're still mm -hmm. big now. So I'm always putting myself into these records but now more than ever, I'm realizing the history of black culture within house music runs throughout me and I just can't help it. Oh, I love it. And, and I know like diversity, like inclusion, representation, these are all things that are important to you as Massive. well. And, you know, how do they affect your like everyday life and your creativity? Like, I know you've got like a, a remix package coming out of every song and there's a an interesting decision you made behind that. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, how diversity, inclusi inclusivity and representation matters to you. It matters so much in a way that, um, you know, I look back on my own contribution to inclusivity and diversity. And I just, you know, I have to say I haven't done enough. I'm going to tell you that now. I haven't mm -hmm. done enough using my platform. There, there's no way that, you know, with the thoughts I have and what I've put out into the world, you know, you look back and you think, right, you haven't done enough, but you can make a start now. So I had an interview with someone and he mentioned that, you know, there's not many female producers that are, that are known. I haven't seen, I haven't seen many. And actually, 
that's not true. It's just that he's not aware of them. I'm aware of them, right? But I understand where his his thought process was coming from for asking that question. So I thought instead of like berating him about, you know, that kind of an kind of an ignorant comment like that, let me shine some light on the fact that there are some there are a lot of incredible women who are incredible producers, songwriters. There are tons. Tons, are tons. tons. Yeah. But I realized that yeah, people normal people let's say it's like you know the public may not know that may not be aware that there are a lot of you know incredibly gifted strong women behind the buttons so, right even though we know they are but you know we take for granted that we are in the music industry right so also it's about development as well you know like nurturing development allyship yeah. bringing Education, through yeah. yeah bringing through bringing through um, young women or women of all ages yeah. to be able to have the confidence to stand up there. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And that's why, you know, with this remix package, it was important for me. So I'm doing it, every, like you mentioned, and every song is my first single with Armada. Uh, all female cast uh, remix package. Some of the best remixes in the world are going to be part of this um, amazing thing where I'm just going to be shedding light on the fact that there are some bad-ass women who can produce just as well, if not better than me. So <laughs> I'm telling you now, I like there's some. So I've got one back in my inbox now, and I can't wait. As far I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it on this podcast. There's one's from Saffron Stone. She yeah. and again, it's the energy of this record. I'm like, wow. And then yeah. I got to meet her for the first time because of you guys. So I did the, you know, she came to my set, the live stream. I was like, wow, that energy, I can actually hear it in your music. So I've, I've never actually met her, but I also get like from her social stuff, she's got a lot of energy, yeah. you know? So she's bringing that into the remix. Probably. Yeah, she is. And you can, so when you listen to the remix and you see her, you're like, ah, oh, cool. That makes sense. Makes yeah. Sense. And then you've got some absolute, you know, veteran producers and, um, and DJs like Cynthia, DJ Cynthia, she's incredible. Yeah. She did a, a Disciples remix for us for our uh, record before called I Got You. She's now turned in an unbelievable record um, remix for my single, Every Song. I can't wait to, for, for the world to hear that, but also to see who's behind it. So a lot of my focus over the next couple of weeks, if not month, is to deliver a lot of content that makes the conversation um, normal just to normalize it just to be like oh yeah that, that, yeah of course she's bad yeah oh yeah he's bad like it, we need to just be it needs to be a normal easy conversation to say yeah she produced it or he produced it or they produced it you know what I mean just it's that awareness right it's the awareness that I mean through this package that you're mm. doing you're creating that that yeah. platform but also then the awareness and it's a bit of a statement I think it's yeah, yeah I mean I appreciate off. that guys thank you thank you so we know you can sing because she yeah. sang earlier um you're a songwriter you're a producer like i think you're you've you've acted in the, in the video <laughs> for um, every song is there anything that you can't uh, do i can't figure skate <laughs> okay no me neither yeah that's a tricky one though no um uh, i appreciate that man that's that's a nice little talk up it's just again it's just throwing throwing myself into to, to the deep end with things and just not not accepting that, oh, because it hasn't been done before, don't do it. Like, if you feel like you can do something, just try it. Like, there's so there's so many things I've done where it just hasn't panned out, but I'm happier that I tried it rather than not trying it. Do you know what I mean? So I've, 
You're going to be like the Jamie Foxx of like the dance industry can do it all and it's going <laughs> to act and it's going to have like kids and nurture a whole school. It's well, again, he's another um, idol of mine. Just the fact that he's so effort- effortless, effortlessly can do everything he does. But then also, you know, I don't know him, but truth comes through when he speaks to camera and I just believe that he's a beautiful soul anyway. So even without yeah. his talent, I feel like he'd be doing the world a service and I just hope to be, you know, to hope to follow in those footsteps in some way. Oh, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Hey, so I had, I had a question about um, um, basically social media and all of the requirements that you need to do as an artist mm-hmm. these days do you feel like 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 how do you handle that first of all but also do you feel like a lot of pressure to do those things because there's so many different platforms these days and if it's a video for this or a liner mm. for this like how how do you kind of evaluate that part of your job that's a that's a really good question um i've actually struggled over the years with understanding yeah um what how i'm supposed to use because it's all about the use of the platform. So how, what message are you trying to deliver to people? Um, right. And every, and every platform is different, is different well. right? So what I've noticed on a, on, a, on a mental health tip is that if you're not putting content out to either inspire, help, entertain, if you're putting people, if you're putting content out to kind of get likes or to get views and that's your mm. sole purpose, you're gonna mentally struggle with that because yeah. that's such a good way yeah. of looking at it. I think that's really good advice to any sort of young yeah. artists that are out there that are starting up because it's all about being genuine, yeah. right? And if you're just doing it to get more likes, then it, it, that's never. No, going it's not. And a lot of people blame social media, but I blame the use of it. So we can we can all yeah. decide. Yeah. Like Reggie, you put some amazing stuff up on yours. Like I'm inspired Aww. by what you put on your stories. You know, I that's the kind of news I want to see when I wake up in the morning. I go onto your page and mm. like it's all insightful. It makes me think. It makes me question my own situations. Should I, you know, it makes me want to be a better person, right? So that's what. Just wait. Yeah. Till so you see Harry, I feel like I'm gonna go to you in <laughs> some comedy I mean, stuff or some. Some some nudes. I don't know. What, what, what. Yeah, some all, nudes. all of it. All of it. Everything. I'm just getting the likes, bro. He's, the he's chasing the likes. I'm trying to inform the nation. I, I think that that's very nice of you to say. But I think also, uh, I mean, I have a, a private account, mm. so I can bore people with my or entertain people with my things that I see that I think are uh, informative yeah. and and grow culturally and help mm, progress. Mm. But you know, you're also in this space, like Harry said, like you're an yeah. artist and that what, you know, it, there's a pressure to be like entertaining and, uh, it, you know, informative as well. And often a lot of times art, I think artists find it really hard to have an opinion and to, to say what their opinion is because of the amount of backlash that they could be hit with. I, I mean, how do you feel about that? Like that's... yeah. You're looking at this content, but are you, do you want to put it out? Do you feel like Yeah, I, I understand why people would think twice about... Um, if we're going to go down the, the political route, I can see why new artists might find it difficult. But mm. as I said, you know, me using my platform now to say things I should have been saying 
it's just me making mm. up for my silence. So I, I think if you have an opinion, it's just the way you address the nation or the way you address your crowd with it. It's not so much the opinion itself. So it's how you say it to someone. And you know what? Everyone has an opinion about your opinion. You know, you can't not say it yes, just course, because yeah. someone's going to not download or buy your T-shirt. You know, you have to be strong. And I think, you know, if I was going to be hard on myself, sometimes I get in my own brain about not saying this because it's going to alienate, you know, a certain area of my fan base. Don't do this because they know you for being a DJ, not a spokesperson. You know, and as I get older and just realize that those barriers are bullshit, I'm going to use my platform as best mm, as I can yeah. in the right way and saying the right message. Also, often it, it means that you, you bring an audience that are more likely your fam mm. and not just yeah. fans. They're loyal, yeah. And they're loyal, they're like-minded Yeah, people, it's true. Um, so in the end, it becomes more of an organic thing yeah. in a way, like it's more genuine. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're um, right. And then your fans that. are people you actually want to hang out with because they've got, a, they share the yeah. same opinion or they understand or can empathize with what you may have been through or, you know. I used to say that a lot to uh, presenters I used to work with back in my radio days, which was like, uh, as soon as you call somebody a fan, you instantly put a divide between you and the mm. person and you almost put yourself on like a mm. pedestal and them or whatever. But if you call them fam, mm. F-A-M, as in your family, you're just always going to talk to them as if you've known them forever and you know what makes them tick and, th and they like what you're like. Um, and that actually helps grow your audience more because they feel more connected. I'm stealing that. Thank you very much. Take it. <laughs> Have that for free. <laughs> Have it for free. That's amazing. Hey, so Nathan, I, I'm curious because in the beginning you, you said something about a story. <laughs> I want to go back to it. I want to know. Oh, why did I say are, anything? And as we start to wrap this all right, up. All right. Okay, right. So Moscow from 2000, yeah, 2005 to 2008. <laughs> Times were pretty tough, not gonna lie. I was uh, trying to figure out what I was doing after, after university. And I was just like, right, I need to make some money somehow. And I had a vocal coach at the time. I was like, right, I've got this, I've got this situation, but I can't do it myself anymore because I'm going on tour with the beautiful late Amy Winehouse. Um, so oh. yeah, Zalon is the guy who, gave me this Russian opportunity, but he, he couldn't do it because he was on tour with, with Amy. So I said, cool, I'll do it. What is it? He's like, it pays this, this and this. And all you got to do is do this. I was like, right, cool. I'm doing it. I don't care what it is. I'm doing it. Anyway, I turn up to the airport and, and I met the head lady there. And I said, right, so what is this thing that we have to do? Because I just was told by my vocal coach just to be here at this time and you know, all I got is my toothbrush. So she was like, oh, yeah. Important. So, oh, okay. You don't even, yeah, you, what? This is the official Boney M tribute band. I was like, what? And obviously, bear in mind now, I'm se I'm 17. So I'm like, who's Boney M? And they're like, yeah. So anyone Amazing. who doesn't know Boney M is just think of um, Majestic's Rasputin song that's just blowing up the world right now. Uh, the band on that. There's an old school band that came out at the same time as ABBA. They're called Boney M. They're massive in Russia and certain parts of Africa as well, which I've just discovered. Um, but yeah, they asked me to be Bobby. Is it named Bobby or Frank? I can't even remember. 
Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's Bobby. Bobby. I think I met his met his daughter in at one of those random. Oh, okay, moments. yeah, yeah, yeah. So get this now. So they've they've whipped out a, an Afro wig from the bag, a medallion, some bell bottoms, <laughs> and and a fur coat, and no. said, "This is your outfit. This is what you have to wear." Sounds easy, to be fair. But you were already wearing that. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I had, I had the bell. Yeah. And you were like, huh? I Awkward. Came, I, came I had the bell bottoms. But um, no, they, um, yeah, so yeah. I said, this is what you have to do. These are the songs. You have to learn them. So got to Russia now. And so the, you get picked up in this presidential convoy. It's ridiculous. Like, I didn't realize that the, the tribute band got treated better than the actual band. Like, it's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so for three years over Christmas, I just did that tour like nonstop. I would say goodbye to the family and just say I'm away for a couple of months. And I would just do that. And we'd just do arena tours as a tribute band to Boney M for three years of my life. I love it. I'm so glad that yeah. was worth <laughs> going back for, for that story. Thank you. And you Amazing. I want to well, see this there, show though. Yeah. yeah you know what's so cool? That's you know, was... YouTube weren't too big back then. So I've got all the... I've got all the um, the footage on tape, so <laughs> I'll buy it. I'll buy it. How much you want? All right, one day we'll have a Moscow <laughs> Mule and we'll uh, we'll watch them together. Yeah. <laughs> I Deal. also think, why don't you use that footage for like one of the records that you're going to release, and that could be oh. like your video? Because I think it. Oh, would there's look the sick. marketing brain. <laughs> that, that's it. Sorry, marketing promotion. Always thinking. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Um, all right, so. We've already talked about how talented you are. You've got another string to your bow. You love fashion. We can see that. You've got great style. Um, I know this style comes naturally mm. to you. Uh, and also you probably have a good few nice wardrobes, uh, a.k.a. your <laughs> wives and stuff as well. Uh, not saying too much. Um, but you're thinking about releasing a line of clothing. Like, what's the vibe? I mean, what's the inspiration behind the, like, uh, collection? Who's the clothes Okay, for? so I'm glad you asked that because um, been, I've been developing it over the last year and a half, just coming up with, like, different sketches and ideas. So there's a reason behind, there's a reason behind this, um, this clothing line. So firstly, the clothing line is called Oscar. Um, nice. Okay. So wow. the, lo the company logo for Outcry, we've named him Oscar, so he's a little character. So you won't mm. see it, but unless you dive deep, but he's got like a tear on his eye and he's got an X, right? As one of the eyes. Mm. This actually sim this, this symbolizes how difficult it is to get into the music industry and how everyone has a different journey into it. You're, you're battered, you're bruised. You start off as a child. You're battered, you're bruised, trying to get through to someone who can hear you for who you are. Um, and this character is going to be on the clothing brand, quite prominently on the clothing brand. And it's going to represent people in any kind of struggle, um, just trying to be heard. That's the message I want to send to people when they hopefully, you know, buy this merchandise or pick up some of this clothing because the story behind it, I've just realized it's not even in just music, anything in life is difficult if you're trying to do something. I think one of the biggest parts of trying mm. to do something is just you wait so long for people to realize how good you are at something. You know, they don't necessarily hear you straight away. You have to keep knocking that down that door. So this clothing brand mm. is for anyone, not just in music, who is trying to do something, you know, that they don't feel that they're heard just yet. I like the fact that it's called Oscar as well, because 
you know, what a, what a, a, a goal to get, like, to win an Oscar. You know, people always say it like, oh, yeah, you deserve yeah, yeah. an Oscar. But uh, love that. That's, like, it's quite yeah, aspirational. Yeah, it had to be, because uh, the name Outcry for my company, I mean, the word Outcry is also based around that same sentiment. It's like, we discovered these artists, they're going to have to cry out to be heard because there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of old ways in the music industry that don't necessarily allow new artists to come through. So... You know, we're going to do this together and um, it's going to be a journey. But yeah, that's what the clothing brand represents. That's what my company represents. And uh, going back to um, yeah. every song, uh, your debut, your debut yeah. solo release. Um, it's so catchy. I've, I've been singing it. I know Thank Harry's you. been singing it. Uh, it's, <laughs> it feels like it's going to be a classic to come. And like, I thought I'd ask you, with like the likes of like Bezos and Branson planning their flights into space, mm -hmm. you know, imagine leaving Earth and you could only take one artist, every song one artist has ever done to listen to forever. Who is that artist going wow. to be? That's Do you want me to give you some question. time and <laughs> no, answer this No, I already question? know. I, I have my 10 artists, Go but on. you're only asked Shoot. for one, so I have to give you one. All right, it has to be, and this is not necessarily my favorite artist, but he is just that incredible. Uh, it has to be Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. It has oh. to be. Through all the faults that he's had in his life, all the hardship, it, just thinking about his music and what it's done to generation after generation after generation without even people sometimes knowing it, his contribution to our mm. field, all of our fields, um, is mm. unprecedented. And right. uh, his music is just, I learned a lot through it. I'm still learning through it now. And not enough can be said about his craft. So yeah, Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was finding it really hard to choose between Michael Jackson, mm. Prince, Stevie Wonder, Pharrell, oh. and Rihanna. Oh. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a few there. Yeah, but that, you that said was, one. That was my top five, but then the one that I had to pick, Go I on. was like, let me be like, let me think about this properly. And the one that I had to pick was Rihanna. And the reason why was she's done all the genres, she's featured mm. on loads of different genres and with different artists. Um, she's young, she's going to still continue mm. to make music. She's probably going to be a billionaire, so she'll be yeah. in space <laughs> with me, and then we can be mates. That's a good point will be mates and she's got loads of other companies so I'll be sorted for makeup clothes and I'll just have a baddie <laughs> as a friend I like that that's dope that's dope <laughs> amazing Harry what are you saying mine, mine would be I'm going to go a little bit more indie mine would be Alex oh, Turner yeah. oh yeah both Alex's stuff but also Oxy oh Monkeys. I'm a huge fan yeah. I'm also oh, from perfect. Sheffield so we kind of grew up in the same area and Steel the reason City. is the lyrics that he writes around all of his songs, like they, they resonate particularly with me, but they're just fucking good songs. And like, I just think, yeah, I'm never going to get tired of those. And I think mm. it's the same with Michael Jackson. Whenever you hear a Michael Jackson song, you never don't like it, mm. you know, despite mm -hmm. everything that's kind of gone on with, yeah. with Michael. Like, um, yeah, you, the music. What's your, what's your favorite? Yeah, I, I so love Arctic Monkeys. Feel. Good shout. What's your favorite? Uh, Crying Lightning. Jumps straight in there. Crying okay, Lightning. Yeah. yeah. I just, I think, 
lyrically it's it's amazing yeah. in cornerstone so i got married oh, uh, two years ago and we our our oh first wow was oh i love That's it <laughs> nice 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 so there you go. cool amazing well look man it's been great oh, to have you we're on done like already. you've entertained us in our virtual club <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah this is it we still got so many this questions to answer, know, that's ask cool. but like we'll do a know, part two a we'll do a part two <laughs> we should for sure um but maybe you want to leave us with one more wise word of wisdom or or something you want to leave the listeners with yeah um, you on the spot now listen guys try not to fall off stage i've done that I've done that at one of the biggest yeah. festivals in the UK, SW4. It was smoking. I couldn't see the bottom to the top. I went for a one, two, three, jump. I jumped and I just, I didn't land yet. I was like, what's going on? What the? And then three seconds later, which is a long time in the air, I landed on the floor. And then the crowd helped me back up. So oh, yeah, babe. just don't fall off the stage. That's all I say. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great tip and on and on that note i think we'll end it thanks so much man for uh, coming on the podcast thank you guys thanks for having me this was behind the beats the podcast by armada music we had a lot of fun i hope you did too catch you next time don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast app to make sure you never miss a new one.